You're listening to Everybody Pulls the Tarp, the go-to podcast for high performers. I'm Andrew Moses. Each week, you'll hear my thought-provoking conversations with Olympians, pro athletes, CEOs, elite coaches, best-selling authors, and other high performers to uncover their secrets to success. Get ready to be inspired each week when we talk about leadership, teamwork, work ethic, and more. Are you ready? Let's go. Samantha Harris, welcome to Everybody Pulls the Tarp. It's great to have you. Thank you. Thank you. Great to be here. I love listening to your interviews, the questions that you ask, um, your, your guests that you have. So I'm honored to be one of them. I'm honored and humbled that you're here. Emmy award-winning TV host, best-selling author, certified health coach, eternal optimist, cancer <laughs> survivor. There is so much for us to get into, Samantha. Where I want to start is many, many know you from your days hosting Dancing with the Stars. You hosted Dancing with the Stars for eight seasons. But I want to dig into the years before Dancing with the Stars. So as I understand it, you come out of college. You're a double major. You were always pursuing a career in entertainment and media. But you had to work multiple jobs to figure out a path and work your way into the industry. Talk about those years after college. What did you do? So you know, when I was at Northwestern University, I interned at Entertainment Tonight. So I lived out in Los Angeles for a summer. ET was really my pinnacle entertainment news job ideal. And so, of course, I you know, was really excited to be able to have an internship there that I worked hard to get. Um, but when I landed in LA, at least I knew the lay of the land because of that internship. But I still had to figure out, okay, I've got to find an apartment. I've got to pay the rent and pay my expenses. And I want to be, I want to audition. And I was juggling this, this sort of world of, do I want to be an actor? Do I want to be, well, see, so there weren't really TV hosts. There were either network news, local news, a VJ on MTV or VH1, or the very rare jobs of an entertainment news host on Entertainment Tonight, Extra, or Access Hollywood just had launched the summer I graduated. So it was still a very new area outside of Entertainment Tonight, uh, being, of course, a, a beacon uh, of light for the entertainment world. So the, the TV hosting world really hadn't taken off. Reality shows hadn't taken off. So I really did, I, was, I didn't have an option unless I wanted to go into local news and then work my way up to hopefully get a job. Because all the hosts of shows like Entertainment Tonight and Extra and Access Hollywood, they had all worked in local news prior to them you know, getting hired for these big syndicated network shows. So I thought, well, you know what? All right, I'm going to, I don't want to work in small town USA. I came from Minnesota. I'm ready for the big city. I'm going to start to audition for acting jobs. And while I was doing that, I worked, let's see, I was a babysitter. I worked teaching fitness classes. I worked full time at a talent management company. That was a temp job that turned into a permanent offer. And I also on the weekends worked kids' birthday parties at this little place called Olivia's Dollhouse Tea Room, where we would give the kids makeovers, basically do their makeup, do their hair, paint their nails, they'd have a fashion show, and then we'd feed them little sandwiches with the crust cut off. That is fantastic. I love those little sandwiches with the crust cut off. <laughs> you and I have talked about, Samantha, the show is called Everybody Pulls the Tarp, and it's all based upon an experience that I had at my first internship while I was in college working in minor league baseball. I worked for the AA affiliate of the New York Yankees in Trenton, New Jersey. And I thought I was there to learn the business of sports, the front office side of baseball. And I get there and they tell me, okay, actually, you're going to 
you know, set up moon bounces for kids. You're going to, you know, chase down, you know, uh, you're going to chase down foul balls and make sure to give the balls to the kids when they, when they don't catch them. You're going to park cars. You're going to drive the players and their wives to the airport to back to the condo. You're going to paint the locker room and you're going to pull the tarp. And I asked this question. I said, well, isn't that what the grounds crew is for? And they said, well, in the minor leagues, Andrew, we don't have the budget or the, the, the personnel to have a full grounds crew. So everybody helped from the CEO all the way to the new intern, you. So I did everything. And Samantha, what I tell people is, I didn't know it at the time, but it was the best career experience I could have ever had because I had to work in so many different facets of that business. And I learned this basic philosophy that there was no task beneath me, no task above me. And whatever the team, whatever the organization, whatever the community needed, that's what I was willing to do. Was there some of that as you're going through those years and you're, you're essentially grinding it out, you're learning all these different disciplines? Did some of those things help you as you started to achieve more success in the entertainment industry? Uh, 100%. You know, and I think too, uh, when my first full time, actually my second full time entertainment news job, my first one was at Extra. I was the weekend host and a full time correspondent. But I think my years at E News, really did that for me because even though I was hired as a reporter and a fill-in anchor, it was a grind. They only hired reporters and anchors who actually could write their stories, could produce the edit sessions, could choose the clips, could run the tapes. Because this was back before when I was, God, I'm feeling so Asian right now. Things weren't digital yet. So we actually had big, huge tapes that we had to run and the edit bays were clear on the other side of the building. And, you know, here I think I'm getting this glamorous job. I get to cover award shows, but no, no, on a day to day basis, it was a grind of shooting a segment, but then writing it up, choosing the edits, and then literally physically running the tapes and we would go feed live. So if we didn't make the cut to the satellite, we were screwed. So, I mean, I literally was mad dashing time and time again. And also then while I was in college, learning all the other areas of having to do every part from lugging the camera equipment to setting up the lights and understanding, I think what it did for me so much in my career, whether I was at Dancing with the Stars or an entertainment news show, was understanding that I am just a cog in the wheel. I might be the cog that's on camera, but I am just a cog in the wheel. And without all of these other elements coming into play every single day to make this show sing and go smoothly, there's no reason for me to be standing in front of the camera. And I think that really helped. And I think my Midwestern background also, just that upbringing of like, we're down home, we dig in, we're all in this together, I think also made a big difference in how I led my life as, you know, as a TV host and as a reporter. Well, Samantha, I talked to a best-selling author uh, who's written 20 Wall Street Journal bestsellers. And he said to me, Andrew, it took me eight years to become an overnight success. So, and his perspective was those years that, you know, he was being rejected by 20, 30 different publishers as he was trying to break in as an author helped him refine his craft, helped him kind of create that humble spirit that has served him well as he's become a world-renowned hit. Okay, let's talk about that big break. So the first real big break comes in 2003, The Next Joe Millionaire. Would, would you say that was the... Yeah, I, yeah for sure. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I look, I was pounding the pavement for about six and a half years, uh, juggling these three or four jobs. I was also a personal assistant. Uh, so I was literally juggling three or four jobs to stay afloat while I was auditioning. And it was a lot of slam doors, a lot of no's. And 
um, mostly, especially when it came to acting jobs. And then more and more uh, cable networks started to have TV programming that all of a sudden they needed to have 24 hours a day of programming. And so they developed programming that needed hosts. And so all of a sudden my acting agents were calling for hosting auditions. And it was great because where I had maybe a one out of 20 callback for an acting job, I probably had a 18 out of 20 callback for my hosting jobs. And obviously, it was a very loud signal to say, hey, this is what you're supposed to be doing over here, not that thing over there. But I, but the big break, I was really probably... Well, I wouldn't... Big, Joe Millionaire was a break in the sense that it was a, a network show. The first season of Joe Millionaire, which I did not host, had 40 million people watch the finale. So when I walked into the second season, I was walking into a major hit show. It did nothing near that because they'd already seen the payoff in the first season. It wasn't as exciting. The second season wasn't as exciting. But for me, what it did is it really gave me the leg up to have the big entertainment news shows, as well as The View, stand up and take a look at me. And I was actually, I had two offers, The View and Extra. And for The View, it meant that I was going to have to move to New York. And I really love LA. I love New York. My husband's from New York, but I'm an LA girl. I'm a sunshine girl. And also, every 13 weeks, my contract was going to be up for renewal for the first year. I see. Okay. So between the LA... And in LA. So that's what I did. And uh, and look, had, when Dancing with the Stars came around about two years later, had I been in New York, I, who knows if I would have been able to, you know, to do that job. So let's get into Dancing with the Stars. So everybody, this is one of my like fascinations, you know, talking to successful people. Everybody tunes in every week to Dancing with the Stars while you were hosting it for eight seasons. And it looks glamorous. It looks, I I don't know, you made it look effortless, easy. But there's so much going on behind the scenes. Just quickly, take us through, like, what's a day in the life of hosting Dancing with the Stars? It was, first of all, a dream job. And I know that doesn't give you any insight as to the day in the life. It was a dream job for me. Uh, So really, it meant showing up early. You know, we're live at, gosh, I'm forgetting, live at 5 p.m. Pacific time um, by early, like 9 or 10, uh, going into production meetings, going through scripts, going through changes, then getting into hair and makeup while I'm reviewing the show. We did a full, full show run before we actually went live. So we basically did the show twice a day. But, um, you know, that was really a great way to work out any glitches. The judges weren't ever part of the rehearsals. Obviously, they had to see it fresh live during the show. So we had stand-ins for them, but everything else was there. And so, and, and then actually what's interesting is that when the show ended, I switched microphones because I was always, every season of Dancing with the Stars, I also was always working my full-time job at an entertainment news show, first at E! News and then at The Insider, which was the Entertainment Tonight sister show. So I would literally... The show would go off air live for Dancing with the Stars. I would hand back that mic, grab the mic from E or the Insider, and I would do post-show interviews standing on the ballroom floor, interviewing all of the contestants and their partners uh, for for our show the next day that was going to air. So um, where they then all got to go off, and there was like a cool like place where there's restaurants and hangout areas called The Grove. They'd all go and socialize, and I never got that opportunity. I never got to really just sort of sit in it and enjoy it because I was go, go, go. And then I had my first baby, and that was go, 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 and juggling mom and rush home to, you know, it, there was never a dull moment, but it was exciting. Uh, it felt so alive. Never a dull moment. Go, go, go. You were stopped in your tracks right around the age of 40, Samantha, with the stage two invasive breast cancer diagnosis. I want to get into that. I want to just share that this is one of my all-time favorite books. 
it has totally simplified for me. And I hope all the listeners and viewers will put a link in the show notes to Samantha's book, Your Healthiest Healthy. And what I like about this book, Samantha, is that you take everybody on a personal journey. And that journey really starts with the breast cancer diagnosis. So it's been well-documented. You've shared so much publicly about that experience. How did you stay so positive? Look, I was so blindsided by this breast cancer diagnosis. I found a lump 11 days after a clear mammogram. I was as healthy and fit as I had ever been, or so I thought. Michael's and my daughter were just three and six at the time. And I lost my dad to colon cancer when he was just 50. Now, here I am, 10 years shy of turning 50 at 40, thinking, I've got two little girls. I cannot not be here. And writing the book for me was really this aha moment that I had that I wanted to then deliver to others, which was, I had no hereditary link to my cancer. And even though one in eight women are diagnosed with invasive breast cancer over the course of a lifetime, only five to 10% of those cancers are actually genetic. And it baffled me. And so the journalist in me said, all right, I need to dig in. I need to do research. I need to find out why this is happening to so many of us. And I determined it really is what we put in, on, and around our bodies, not just from things that we're breathing in in our environments, but also toxic relationships, what's dragging us down, our own mental health, lack of self-worth, self-love, self-confidence, and all of that detracts from our health. So how could I change my own life and have it become my healthiest healthy and then in turn help others with turning into your healthiest healthy? And it's a comprehensive action plan to do just that from how to eat to how to approach exercise to how to get the toxins out of your makeup products, your personal care products, uh, your cleaning supplies, and then also really building resiliency and that positive mindset that you just brought up. And it wasn't there. Let me tell you, it was not there in those first many weeks after my diagnosis. (laughs) One of the interesting things to me in the book is you break it down into bite-sized chunks. You know, I want to make sure I get this right. So you have a part where you talk about what's healthy-ish, what's healthier, and what's healthiest. And what I come out of that with is, okay, this, you know, making a transformation in your life like this to your healthiest healthy can be daunting and people may not know where to begin. But what you're breaking down there is some small incremental steps that people can take to essentially, you know, break it down into chunk. So what advice do you give people when they're struggling to get started on a transformation like this? Well, I mean, exactly that, that it's about small, manageable steps. We can't do a 180 and work and we're going to sustain this, right? It's about longevity. So, you know, it's like slow and steady wins the race, truly. So when it comes to food, for instance, just beginning with, all right, let me take stock in, am I getting enough fiber? You know, for most of my average Americans, we're getting 12 to 15 grams of fiber per day. The USDA says 25 grams, but women need about 30 to 35 and men about 40 grams of fiber per day. So let's just start there. Let's flip our plate and fill it half full of veggies at every meal. Because that just there is going to help us up our fiber intake, our phytonutrients, our micronutrients, all the antioxidants, all of the things that we need that are the cancer fighters, the heart disease fighters, the type 2 diabetes fighters. And so just by making that one swap and sit down and think, okay, I'm about to eat. How can I get more veggies into this meal? Uh, saying you have come vegetarian or a vegan, but having a plant-based whole foods foundation, whether you're paleo or keto or complete carnivore, 
and then understanding slowly where are where's the quality of the food coming from. Am I eating red meat from cows who have been stuck in a an environment where they're body to body and have no room to move and grow and are being fed pesticides and herbicides and a lot of junk and hormones that are terrible for our own bodies? Or are they grass fed and pasture raised and living a great cow life until their final days? That makes a difference with how it affects our bodies. And then, uh, and that's just for the food portion. And so through all of this, I've kind of gone one step further and I recently launched a wellness community, a subscription-based wellness community called Your... It's very original. It's called Your Healthiest Healthy Community. <laughs> I got I really- like it. And again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to link to the book in the show notes. I'm going to flash it here one more time. Samantha's book, Your Healthiest Healthy. So, okay, I, you, have young, you have two girls. I have two girls. How do you bring kids along for this journey? You know, I think that's really one of the biggest struggles as a parent because they want mac and cheese and chicken nuggets all day long every day uh, and candy and sweets and all of that. Um, They are not denied when it comes to sweets. We probably have dessert or something sweet every night. Uh, We try to have the, the big desserts for the weekends when we can. It's really about, number one, modeling, whether it's modeling that, especially during COVID while they were homeschooling and they actually finally saw, oh, wow, mom does work out every day. She is getting a sweat on. Oh, look at mom. That's mom with her smoothie that she's having right now. Oh, there's mom with her, uh, with her tofu scramble or whatever, you know, whatever it is. And so, um, really modeling is one of the biggest tricks and then integrating foods, just putting it in front of them again and again so that they can sort of see, okay, maybe I, maybe I will try this today. Maybe I will like that. And that's sort of where I've started rather than force feeding them. Although I do tell them to eat their veggies every, uh, every day, probably. <laughs> well, I love in the book also, you talk about how, you know, you, when you get home with fresh veggies and fruit, you, know, you cut it up, you prepare it. And so yeah. it's, it's kind of glaring at you right in the fridge. I mean, what you're saying is you almost lead by example. You make it easy to create these good habits. And then with your kids, you lead by example. Yes, meal prep is really helpful. And, and that goes w- uh, with snack prep as well. So washing the, even the strawberries, we wash them, we dry them, put them with a paper towel to absorb the excess moisture and stick them in a glass container. So they see that right when they open up the fridge. And the same thing goes with lettuce and carrots and all of the goodness that they can have. Um, and so, you know, these are a lot of the tricks and the tips that I talk about. So in my Your Healthiest Healthy community, every week I do a live coaching session on a variety of health topics. I also lead a live workout back to my hearkening back to my group fitness days when I was out here early in my LA years. And then every week, I also bring in a live special curated guest expert from oncologists and functional nutritionists uh, or functional medicine docs to breathwork experts, vegan chefs to the stars, uh, and the occasional star him or herself will also pop in. But it, what's great about this community is it gives a sense of this ability for people to say, hey, I need these small changes to happen. How can I do them from how can I better my sleep to how can I stress less? How can I make my mental health better? And we work together uh, as a community. And all of that actually is at yourhealthiesthealthy.com, which is a great resource to find about you know all that information. So new people. A great resource for sure. We'll link to it all in the show notes. Samantha, this has been so much fun. You've been leading by example your entire life, your whole career. Since those days, you know, rip the edges off the, the sandwiches uh, all the way to the Dancing with the Stars, Stardom and all the work that you're doing now. Samantha, keep pulling the tarp and we'll have to do a part two sometime. I would love it. Thanks so much, Andrew. Thank you for joining me this week. 
Be sure to subscribe in your favorite podcast app so you can catch all of our upcoming episodes. And if you are like me and want a world full of tarp pullers, then leave a review to help others find us. You can also follow me on Instagram at andrewmoses123 and sign up for my monthly email newsletter at everybodypullsthetarp.com slash newsletter. I'll share tips and insights to help you achieve maximum success and happiness. Today is a great day to pull the tarp. I am rooting for you. See you next time.